we're going to continue in our, our relationship series called Masterclass, and we've been spending the last couple of weeks in a series on relationships, and I'll be quite honest with you, I feel like we could probably go six months in a relationship series because there's so much more I want to say, so much more I want to dig into, but because of time, we're not able to do that. Um, <clears throat> but week one, we talked about what is love. Is my relationship an infatuation or is it really love? Week two, we talked about the currency of all relationships is trust. Remember that message on trust? <clears throat> I think that was a big one. Week three, we tackled the issue of communication. And communication is to a relationship what blood is to your body. Communication stops flowing just like if your blood stops flowing, the relationship starts dying, right? No talking, no happy. Come on, somebody, right? Like we need to not just be talking, but we need to actually be communicating, right? And then last week we tackled the topic of sex and we talked about how sex is good. Come on, somebody. Hopefully you went home and did homework, lots of homework. That should not make you feel awkward at all, right? It's powerful. We talked about how sex is glue. And it was a, I thought it was a great, a great time last Sunday. I thought we had a, a great message, a great time together. I felt like God spoke. And hopefully you had a great week. Amen? My wife and I um, recently built a house when we moved to Eunice about five years ago. And we've always been fireplace kind of people. I just Something about an open flame just kind of makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Come on, somebody. It's not that we get really that cold. I mean, you turn the heater on one time, poof, you're sweating. Right? But... but this time, so we've always had fireplaces up to this point. At this point, we, we decided to go with a wood-burning stove. I did a little research. A wood-burning stove is 80% more efficient than an open fireplace. Cool. So we get this wood-burning stove, and, and, and this is the way it kind of rolls at my house. I, I usually am in charge of getting the wood to the house and then from the, the yard to the door. And then it's everybody's responsibility whenever Cheryl says, get me some wood, to go get some wood and put it by the, by the wood burning stove. But everybody in my house knows that Cheryl is the fire master. That woman can light a fire, sustain a fire, and keep the house warm. In fact, our first year with the wood burning stove, she cranked it up so hard one day, it got so dry in the house, we didn't know you were supposed to put a pot of water on top of the wood burning The crown molding started coming off the, the walls. I'm thinking like the house was like drying from the inside. I said, babe, we got a problem. <laughs> it's a little too hot in here. And, and so since then, we've learned to manage the water, the moisture, the temperature, the dryness, all these things. And we really enjoy our wood-burning stove. There's nothing like walking into the house from being outside, where in South Louisiana it's always moist, right? And we have, we have unusual winters because they're moist winters, right? But boy, you walk inside of a house with a warm wood-burning stove and it's just kind of like, ah. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like the best, right? You know what's funny about that wood-burning stove is though, it takes a lot of work. If you stop and think about it, I mean, you got to go to the tree, you got to cut the tree down, you got to cut the tree into the right size pieces, then you got to then you got to get a splitter and you got to split the logs, right? And well, split the the tree into logs, and then you got to stack it in a good place so that it'll start to cure or dry, 
right? So that it'll burn at its best. And then you got to carry it from there to the door and then from the door into the house. And then you got to manage the fire at the same time. Man, that thermostat sure is a lot easier, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's so easy. My wife has a, it, the thermostat's on her cell phone. I think she was messing with us last night. She's in Florida right now. I think she just left the heater off just so we would freeze. I mean, how much more simple can it be just to get on your phone and heat the house up? But it ain't the same, right? A heater is not the same as a wood-burning stove. You can't compare. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Does anybody ever, has anybody ever been around a fire? Okay, all right. I'm wondering about you. But the wood-burning stove, as much as we enjoy it, is... It's a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of work. Marriage can be compared to a wood-burning stove. Look at me. Marriage is a lot of work. It's one of the hardest things you'll ever do if you decide to do it right. Now, lots of people can do it and then not be right, and they just find themselves content with or settling for something less. But if you're going to do marriage right, and you're going to honor God with your marriage, that's work, baby. I don't care what you say. Because here's the reality. God didn't put you two together to make you happy. He put you together to make you holy. That means there got to be a little heat up in the relationship. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it the right way. So if you're going to get married, let me give you a little bit of advice. You better get ready to go to work. Oh, yeah, it's not picket fences and birds chirping and the sun shining and, and the butterflies playing. Trust me. Can I get a better amen? You better get ready to go to work. That warm fire takes a lot of work. Isn't it amazing how in our relationship with our spouse, we started with so much passion? Come on, like you couldn't, you couldn't go to sleep without thinking about them. I know some people, if they travel apart from each other, they're, they're married, and this is like several years into the marriage, if he travels for ministry work, they, they, they call one another and they sleep with the phone on all night. I'm like, I don't know if that's passion or if that's just like fear. I don't know what that is, but we'll just call it passion today. But how many of you know that the passion you had at the beginning is sometimes difficult to find right now? Why is that? Why do we lose passion? Why, why is it not as ooey-gooey as it used to be? Well, you messed up and had kids for one thing. Come on, they wrecked the whole thing. I'm just picking. I'm just, y'all know I'm picking, really? Am I picking? <laughs> you see, when, a, when, a, when you got a, when you want some, some, some warm environment in the house and the fire starts to die, you got to do something about it. So with the wood-burning stove, if we want to heat it up real quick, we throw a bunch of logs on the fire. Boom, and get that thing rolling. It'll start ticking. Tick, 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 
tick. That's when you go, ooh, baby, you got it going. Cut the air back. Like manage the fire. You about to melt the pot. I mean, it's just, anyway. But then sometimes you got to back off because the molding's coming off the house, right? And, and so you got to manage the fire. But if it's cold, say it's cold. Acknowledge that it's cold so that somebody can do something about the fire. You see, in our house, Cheryl does such a great job with the fire that some mornings you can wake up the next morning and there's still some red coals in there. That's when you know you had a good fire last night. Come on, somebody. When you wake up and there's still a little passion. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You got to be careful with them ashes, though. My grandma, one time, we had a wood burning. We, we, we put a fireplace in a double wide, one of the first double wides ever made. Come on, we're innovative people. Actually, we're pretty risky because we could have burnt the whole place down. But we put this fireplace in this old double wide trailer. And my grandma would manage the fire and, and she'd always clean the ashes out and, and she wouldn't throw them on the ground for some reason. Grandma would throw them in the garbage can. And one day I come home and the garbage can was half melted down. I said, Grandma, what you did to the garbage can? She said, they had some coals left in there. And it caught the whole can on. I almost burnt the house down. Where are you at today? Where's your marriage at today? Be honest with yourself. You, personally. Be honest with yourself. Is the passion there? Is it not? Is it cold? Is it cooling off? Is there any warm coals in the ashes? Some of you have been through hell and back. Some of you have had your marriage attacked from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Some of you have faced all kinds of crazy things. And I get that. And those things can take a toll on your relationship, right? Go through some hard seasons. Do business together. Uh-oh. And you'll find out sooner or later that the passion starts to burn out. Today, I'm asking you to get honest. Because in the middle of those ashes may be some red coals. There may be something that if you just take one log and throw it on that fire, boom, here it goes again. Where are you at today? Be honest, man. Be honest, woman. Is there no passion? Is there no fire? Is the marriage cold? Do you do the same old things over and over and over again? Has it become mundane? Listen, I want you to have a great marriage. I want you to have a hot marriage. When, we, when our kids were younger, me and Cheryl would get a babysitter, and the kids would like, where y'all going? I'm taking mama on a hot date. So they grew up knowing about hot dates, right? And it happened more than once, right, Virginia? It happened regularly. Free tip. Hot dates lead to hot night. And anyway, y'all don't want to know about all that. We talked about that last week. You just listen to the message. But it all starts with a hot date, just saying. What I'm trying to tell you today is this, that the only way you can feed the fire is by putting some logs on it. No logs, no fire. You see that? 
So let's talk about some logs this morning. I want to give you about four logs that you can throw on the fire today. These things you can apply today. You won't even have to open your wallet, men. Oh, look, y'all went. Wait, what? First log. Learn how to celebrate your differences. Most marriage counseling, you know what it is? It's just trying to sort out each person's differences so that we can help them understand each other so that then they can turn around and leverage their differences to become very dynamic. We're different. Men are different than women, right? <laughs> okay, just want to make sure y'all didn't get poisoned by the world because they don't know who's who anymore, right? But we know, we know who a man is and we know who a woman is, right? And there's a big difference between the two. That's why they each got their own bathroom. Come on, somebody. I mean, dear goodness, that's why we fight over the toilet seat, right? I still think you should leave it up. I didn't get no amens, guys. Y'all left me hanging. They're like, I ain't getting into that dog fight, bro. You start that war, you're on your own. Celebrate our differences. Listen to what Psalms 139, 13, and 14 says. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Look at your neighbor and say, you're complex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you say back to them. You too, baby. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Watch this. Watch the last couple of words in that, in that verse. How well I know it. Question, do you know you and your spouse's differences? Do you know them? Have you, have you taken the energy and the effort and the time to discover your differences? You're learning them one way or the other. You can learn them a good way or you can learn them a bad way. Come on, somebody. So by design, men and women are different. God made us all different. And even within, within the context, you can put 10 men in a room. They're all different. Different personalities, different past experiences, different genetics. Come on. Hair, no hair. How many of you married somebody that's your total opposite? Raise your hands. Total opposite. I think that's the funnest way to go. Because if I'd have married me, we'd be bored. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Me and Cheryl are different. different. We're opposite, and opposites attracted, and we came together, and then, then we wasn't careful, and then our opposites started attacking. We used to attract, but now we attack, right? Because we didn't understand each other's differences, you see, Cheryl's a, she's led by feelings. I didn't know this. It took me 20 years to realize it. I'm led by facts. So when she would come to me with something with feelings, I'd be like, ah, I want to know the facts. Just the facts, nothing but the facts. Take the feelings out. When you come to me with feelings, I'm just, ah. <laughs> I would go to her with facts and she didn't want that. I'm like, everybody wants facts. No, I want feeling. How do you feel about it? I don't want to tell you how I feel about it. So I'll tell you the facts. She's feelings, I'm facts. She likes to process outwardly by talking. 
I process inwardly by not talking. You ever had that problem? Well, you never talk to me. That's because I'm trying to break through all your talking to think a little bit. Yeah, we're still putting logs on. <laughs> I'm talking about differences and where we used to be. Thank you, John. I was getting in the ditch right there. <laughs> I got a process. So, so when she learned that I'm an inward processor, she now gives me time to go isolate myself, get with Jesus, process what I'm going through, process what I'm feeling, process the facts along with it, and then she knows I'll come and talk to her. Now, I had to help her understand I need some time. But then I also had to be responsible to come back around once I processed it and talk. Just like she had to be responsible to stop talking and let me go process, right? It works both ways. We're different. Cheryl's a rule follower. Aggravates the fire out of me. She follows every rule. We said a long time ago, we're not going to watch R-rated movies. I wish I'd have never said that. You know, all good war, mo war movies are R-rated. You know how many war movies I can't watch because I made a decision years ago not to watch any R-rated movies? I'm like, baby, back off. She, this is the rules. So we watch them when she's not home. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Don't you tell her. I got five days to get all my movies in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> I don't mind breaking a few rules. I got one of them rewards the other day. Yeah. And my wife told me to slow down. I didn't listen. Don't think she didn't throw that back in my face. I, I, I'm the kind of guy, if we get to a four-way stop, if you don't know what, turn, what time you're supposed to go, I'm going to take your turn. Right? My wife, she sticks to the rules. So we'll get to a four-way stop. And if somebody's like in space, my wife would just sit there. And I'm dying on the side. Go! Just go! And she's like. But then when they finally go, she'll go and then she starts fussing about it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't fuss. You should have went. So when I roll up to a four-way stop, if you ain't ready, I'm going to take your turn. Oh, people blow the horn and I'm like, it took you too long. You got about 1.2 seconds. And if you ain't coming, if I, I'm watching your taillights, I'm, your, your, I'm watching your head to see if you're paying attention, I take my four-way stop serious. <laughs> We're different. Something radically changed in my marriage the day I learned to appreciate Cheryl's differences. And she learned to appreciate mine. Something radically changed. You know what happened? Is we started to give grace to one another. Because we used to think the other person was wrong because they're not like me. Come on, you know you're like that. You know you're like that. If somebody's not like you, then they're jacked up. <laughs> Heaven forbid you be jacked up. So we, we learned to celebrate our differences. First thing we had to do was we had to start acknowledging our differences. You gotta learn that. You gotta learn to acknowledge your differences. Talk about it. These are the conversations you need to be having about your differences. When you go on a hot date, what do you talk about? Talk about your differences a little bit, but be careful. 
Because sometimes we talk on a hot day and the hot day gets cold real quick. So if you feel the temperature dropping, just back off. Talk about football, kids. Just blame it on the kids. Always talk about the kids. You'll, be, you'll get yourself out of trouble. So we need to acknowledge our differences. The second thing we need to do is we need to start asking for your spouse's perspective. Can I, can I just say something that might sting a little bit? If you don't currently ask, ask for your spouse's perspective, you're swallowed up in pride. Because you think you're the leader of this ship and you think you're the one that calls all the rules. You think you're the one that calls all the shots and their point and their perspective doesn't matter. Swallowed up in pride. Dear God, he put both of you together because you needed each other. Men, she's called your helpmate. Why? <laughs> you needed help. <laughs> Come on. How many of you are, are like me sometimes and, and you know you need help, but you won't ask for it? Raise your hand. Come on. What's stopping you? Ain't nothing but pride. So we start acknowledging our differences. We start asking for their perspective. How do you see this? Then we start appreciating each other's strengths. Leaning on each other when we need to. Cheryl and I are like a good mullet. I'm business in the front. She party in the back. I'm telling you, I'm all business. I'm all business. Straight cut. We're going to get some stuff done. That it's going to be right. Let's go. And she's in the back just throwing a party. I mean, we could be intimate as all get out. She's going to crack a joke. I'm like, girl. But I laugh. And she keeps me laughing. Right? Cheryl, Cheryl keeps me having fun. I keep Cheryl on task. You see it? We gotta start appreciating each other's strengths. Cheryl sees things differently than I do. Our finances, we both have to be there on our finances. We both had to be there raising kids because there was days I wanted to send them to heaven and then there was days she wanted to send them to heaven. And thank God I was strong when she was weak and she was strong when I was weak. Come on, somebody. All the kids should be saying, thank you, Lord. You don't know how, some of you kids don't know how close to Jesus you've been. I'm telling you right now, some of y'all got no clue the conversations that have gone on behind your back. Mom and dad wanted to send you ahead a long time ago. You better humble yourself and be grateful they didn't. Or start praying that they do, one or the other. So what happens when you start leveraging your differences instead of fighting over your differences. You wanna know what happens? You become powerful. You become dynamic. You, you become better than you've ever been. When you learn how to leverage your differences, watch this, and stop fighting over them. It's two decisions. We gotta decide to quit fighting over our differences and then we gotta decide to start leveraging them together. And let me tell you what it's gonna take. A whole lot of humility. Because nobody's right all the time. 
Can I say that one more time? Nobody's right all the time. So our differences make us better. So that's the first log you need to throw on the fire. And by the way, you throw them on the fire. Now, we don't let Virginia put wood on the fire anymore. Because she throws it in the wood burner. Boom! Just be careful. Just gently throw the log on the fire. You don't need to kill nobody. Just, just throw the log on the fire. Sorry, Jen. Said the, the Holy Spirit made me say it. The second log we need to put on the fire is honor. We need to learn how to show each other honor. Anybody can find the negative in anything and talk about it. It's, it's the most natural thing we do, right? It's to find the negative in somebody and talk about that. You don't even have to try. You just got to not have any self-control and that junk will start flowing out of you. Right? Get around some other people that don't appreciate their spouse and watch what's going to happen to you sooner or later. You're going to start unappreciating your spouse also. So, so clue, if you got friends that talk bad about their spouse, you need new friends. Because sooner or later, they're going to start influencing you to talk bad about your spouse. How do I know? How do I know that? My aunt owned a beauty shop. I used to go get my hair cut when I had it. Them women talk all the time about that old man. And I've been to barbershops and men talk about their old lady. By the way, you shouldn't say that. We need to show honor to one another. Romans 12.10 says this, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know, honor is one of the easiest things you can do. Honor is one of the simplest things you can do. It's one of the cheapest things you can do is to show somebody honor. Honor is to show them value, to show them worth, to, to let them know that they're, they're worthy of things, they're, they're honorable. You know what happens when we don't show honor? All the good treasures inside that person never come out. Did you hear that? When you don't show honor, treasures get locked up in that person. But watch this, the opposite is true. When you start to show honor, treasures come out of that person. Ephesians 5 says, men, that you can wash her with your words. I can't help but believe if you can wash her, you can also stain her. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not her fault she's the way she is. Maybe she just needed a good bath. With words. But honor is a quality that's leaving our country at a thousand miles an hour. Respect is earned, but honor is given. No one needs to earn honor. Honor says more about the person giving it than it does about the person it was about. If you can honor somebody else, that says a whole lot about who you are and how you see people and how you, you see the value in people. Honor says more about me than it does about the one that I'm actually honoring. 
The level of honor you give is determined by the amount of value you perceive in the other person. If you're not given honor, you must not be seeing the value in that other person. I get it, man. Been married for 23 years. Some days, I don't even think about the value of Cheryl. She's gone for five days. You know what that's teaching me? I miss my wife. She's valuable. Every time she leaves, something throws up in the house. I walked in the house last night. The dog must have threw up 15 times all over the house. I'm like, you can't leave anymore, Cheryl, because people throw up and the dog throws up. I need you. Listen to what Ecclesiastes says. It says, live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. She's your reward. Come on, you ever have a meaningless day? You ever have a bunch of them back to back? It's called the grind, right? Go to work, gotta go do this. And if you're not careful, that same attitude gets into your marriage. So let me give you a couple of ways to show honor. Uh, number one, you need to prioritize that person. You prioritize what you value. Ha, huh. did you hear that? You prioritize what you value. So if you're not prioritizing one another, that means you're devaluing one another. Okay, y'all not gonna say amen, I'm gonna come on this side. Do you realize that if you don't show honor to somebody and prioritize them, that you're actually, instead of not valuing them, you're devaluing them? Because you prioritize what you value. That means when you kick your spouse to the curb, it hurts. It decreases their value. It decreases their self-worth. We gotta prioritize one another. Amen? You ever hear these words? We don't spend enough time together. The kids never see you. You know what that is? That's a cry for priority. But here's what usually gets prioritized. Our careers, come on, <laughs> and our kids. Mm-hmm, yep. Our careers and our kids. For all the moms out there, you know children can take all your energy and your time. All your peace and all your joy. Come on. You decided to have these little things that, t that, that start to tell you when to wake up. They tell you when you can eat. They tell you when you can shower. And they tell you when you can go to sleep. Why in the world would you have kids? <laughs> they're just little bosses. They tell you everything from the day they're born until they leave your house. Then you got to figure out how to leave once they leave, live once they leave the house. It's like a do-over. But just a reminder, before you were a mom, you were a wife. And before he's a dad, he's your husband. We got to constantly put that back at the top of priority. In our survey, we asked the question, how often do you have date nights with your spouse? And I'm ashamed to say that most people, I mean, look at the statistics. Is that 16% every week? Or is it six? Six percent every week. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, but pastor, we can't afford to go on a date night every Friday, bro. McDonald's got a dollar meal. A date is just getting away from the cheering for a little while and go and spend some time together. I mean, fix you a sandwich, go to the park. So how do you prove priority with sacrifice and time? If your marriage is the most important thing you do and the most important thing to you, then you need to prioritize it and your priorities reflect whether it is or not. So you can say that he or she is your priority, but until you prove it, it's not really true. Amen? The second way we show honor is with praise. Can you praise the other person? Proverbs 31, 31 says, honor her for all, for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Honor is a language and we need to learn how to start speaking it. We need to start praising each other. When he walks in the door and he's had a hard day, you need to tell him, thank you, baby, for going out there and killing it for us. I appreciate you. One of the greatest things Cheryl does for me is she stops what she's doing and she acknowledges something in my life and she gives me praise for it. I might have walked in wanting to quit, but after she's done, I'm ready to take it on again tomorrow. Right? We got to learn how to start praising one another. I got some friends of mine, some very close friends, and when we were first becoming friends, I was talking with the wife and, and we were getting to know each other. And I was talking to the wife. I said, well, how's... How so-and-so, like, how, how is, is he a good husband? Is he a good kid? I mean, a good dad? And I was looking for her response. I was blown away by what she said. She rattled off a list of all the good qualities he has. An exhaustive list. Like, I wasn't even expecting this. I'm sitting there going, whoa, hold up. I don't even know my wife that good. But you know what it told me? That, that praise was a priority to her and she made a decision somewhere along the way to start calculating and keeping record of his good qualities instead of keeping record of his bad qualities. Ay, ay, ay. If you're not talking about her good qualities more than you're talking about her bad qualities, you got it backwards. You're doing damage and not doing healing. Is this making sense? So we got to learn how to praise. Then number three, we got to learn how to protect. You got to protect one another. You know what you say about your spouse can either protect them or throw them under the bus? Come on. Don't leave her on the street. Don't throw that old man out on the sidewalk. Protect one another. Watch over one another. Don't, let, don't even let the parents talk bad about them. I've defended my wife to her parents. Her daddy was a drunk. He used to say mean things about her. I almost beat him up one time because of that. That's my wife, bro. My kids will pop an attitude with my wife. And then they get popped. <laughs> it only took one time and they quit doing it. <clears throat> Come on, somebody. So giving honor is one of the easiest things we can do. Number three, third log you need to put on the fire. So the first log is what? First log is celebrate differences. Second log, show honor. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get some heat up in the house, y'all. Third log is this, overlook offenses. What, what, what? Overlook offenses. Oh, you mean we can do that? Yeah, it's possible to overlook an offense. <laughs> y'all don't even believe me. You can overlook an offense. Listen to what Proverbs 19.11 says. Good sense makes one slow to anger. Good sense, if you got some good sense, it'll make you slow to anger. Listen to the rest of it. 
And it is his glory to overlook an offense. Come on, some of you are, you're tooth and nail people, right? You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. I can see it on some of your faces. Some of you, I know, I can tell the first time I met you, I'm like, "Mm, they got claws. (laughs) They scrappy. Like, you, you mess with me, I'm messing with you. You cut me, I'm cutting you twice. Surely those people don't go to our Savior's church. So the question isn't, are offenses going to come? The question is, is how will you handle, how will you respond to the offenses when they come? Anybody can be offended. Are y'all listening to me? Anybody can be offended. Anybody can find something to be upset about. That's natural, right? When's the last time you overlooked an offense? He didn't compliment my haircut. Getting my haircut for 10 years. He never says nothing about my haircut. Ladies, let me give you a little something on that. If you cut a quarter of an inch off, we probably ain't gonna know. We trying. <laughs> Overlooking offense. Offenses can be like little rocks in your shoes. Offenses can be like sand in your flip-flops. Come on, somebody. If you don't stop and deal with them or you don't stop and shake it off, it's going to wear a hole in your foot. Right? You ever been in such a hurry you had something in your shoe but you refused to stop and take it out? And then by the end of the day you paid for it? That's what offenses do. Where do offenses come from? They usually come from unmet expectations. Yeah, everybody's got expectations, don't they? (laughs) Yeah. In fact, everybody's carrying around an invisible rule book. And you don't know they have that book until you break one of their rules. Then you find out, oh, they got a book. Right? And it's called unmet expectations. You know how often you fight over unmet expectations? More than you know. So there's a problem with expectations, and it's usually these two. One, they're unspoken. We do a premarital course or or a curriculum called Simbas, and there's like one or two pages that talk about duties or chores. It it talks about who's going to take the dog out, who's going to take the trash out, who's going to do the dishes, who's going to fill the car up. Why? Because if, if they're unspoken, you're liable to get in trouble over them. Right? So sometimes unspoken expectations are money. Who's going to do the providing? Who's going to pay the bills? Who's going to manage the budget? How do we make decisions when it comes to money? Sometimes it's the house. Who's going to cook? Who can cook is my question. If you can't cook, say you can't cook. Who takes care of the yard? Here's the big one. This is the constant fight. Who's taking out the trash? Who takes it out when the kids don't take it out? The last time I checked, the other kids. Last time I checked, the kids don't always get it right. Son forgot to bring the trash cans to the road, had me hauling trash all over town, dumping it in people's dumpsters. 
Thank God they had room. Kids, how many kids are we going to have? How close together? Who disciplines them? Who gets, in the, who gets up in the middle of the night? I'm just going to say, thank God for breastfeeding. <laughs> Can I say that? I did. Are they going to play sports or not? Intimacy, who initiates? How often? <laughs> how do you feel love? Do you enjoy this or not? Unspoken expectations. Then we have unrealistic expectations. <laughs> We're expecting from people something only God can give us. Here's a clue. If you and your spouse are constantly butting heads with an unrealistic expectation or something that you can fix, you need to stop fighting with them and you both need to take a time out with Jesus and spend some time with him and ask him if I'm trying to get out of this person what I can only get from God. And you need to address that. And if he says you can only get that from me, then you need to take that off of your other person and you need to give it to God. Because the last time I checked, nobody's married to God. Right? Unrealistic. <clears throat> but we got to start dealing with those things now. Good marriages are dying because of unrealistic expectations. You didn't get something at the home you were raised in, so you got married and you brought that, that expectation into this marriage and now you're putting all this pressure on your spouse to be something that your mom and dad could never be and you're killing the relationship and you wonder why there's no passion and you wonder why it's getting cold. Remember, it's work, y'all. You gotta cut the tree down, you gotta cut it into pieces, you gotta split it, dry it, haul it to the house, put it in the, in the, the stove, you gotta, it's work. Listen to what the Song of Solomon says in chapter two, verse 15. He's talking about the vineyard of love. He says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. You gotta listen to me real quick. Some of you, your big issue is a big issue because you didn't deal with it when it was small. And some of you, if you're not careful, the small issues in your life right now are in three, six, 12 months going to be big issues because you're refusing to deal with them now. Because this is what ignorant people do. Oh, I just said that. This is what ignorant people do. They get mad at each other and then they retreat and they draw sides and they don't talk and they put up defenses. That's ignorance. You don't realize that you're, you're playing into the enemy's hands. You're getting all stoved up and quiet and cold and you don't want to talk. And I'm, that's not going to fix anything. I said, that's not going to fix anything. It's, it's never fixed anything. My grandmother was that way. I knew when she was mad. She wouldn't talk. I said, Grandma, your hair looks good. Mm. Now, you know, if they don't respond to that, they mad. <laughs> While an offense is an event, being offended is a decision. <laughs> I 
It's a decision, so choose to resolve offenses quickly. You might need to choose to overlook a few offenses. You know, last time I checked, the Bible says we need to make allowance for each other's faults. Because let me tell you why. There's a whole lot of people making allowance for your faults. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the third log. Fourth log is this one. Y'all ready? Pursue Jesus. I hit you with a Christian cliche. Pursue Jesus. You can't get away from that. None of us can get away from that. Whether it's been abused as a statement or not, we have to, listen to me, have to pursue Jesus. That means we go after him. We're not sitting back waiting on him to come after us. We pursue Jesus. When Cheryl and I can't get a breakthrough with each other, one of us got to go start pursuing Jesus. Amen? And in that way, that person can humble themselves, go back and humble themselves to their spouse, and then something happens there. We have to pursue Jesus. You can't have a godly marriage without Jesus. Come on, if you're not reading your Bible, you don't have a godly marriage. If you're not praying, you don't have a godly marriage. It's as simple as can be. Church ain't good enough. I don't preach good enough. Life groups aren't good enough to, to give you a godly marriage. You gotta pursue Jesus on your own. Last time I checked, you're grown folks. You can make it to Walmart when you need some groceries. What do you do when stuff starts falling apart? Pursue Jesus. I'd say pursue him before it falls apart. Amen? <clears throat> so newsflash, it doesn't take two to make a great marriage. It takes three. In a Christ-centered marriage, God is my one and my spouse is my two. So some of you need to put your spouse in their proper place. So that means some of y'all need to move them down and then some of y'all need to move them up. Because the last time she checked, she felt like number four or five. Here's the greatest gift Cheryl and I can give each other and our kids is a Christ-centered home and a Christ-centered marriage. It's the greatest. It's way better than money. It's way better than money and properties and things. It's way better than that. It's the greatest gift we can give to each other. Statistics show that every two point five marriages, out of every 2.5 marriages, one will end in divorce. Did you hear that? In every two and a half marriages, at least one of them is going to end in divorce. They did a little further research. They studied if a couple commits to go to church regularly, read God's word and pray together regularly, the statistics change. Now listen to this. Super simple. This is stuff you don't even break a sweat over. Go to church, read your Bible, and pray together. The, st the statistics for people that don't do that is one out of every two and a half getting divorced. The statistics, if you go to church, read your Bible, and pray together, is one out of every 1,105 couples get a divorce. You should say, wow. And you should have a change in your heart right now. Go to church, read your Bible, pray together. It'll revolutionize your marriage. <clears throat> 
So instead of praying on one another, you need to pray for one another. Because here's the truth. <laughs> you don't grow accidentally. You grow intentionally. You quit feeding the kid, he's going to quit growing. You have to intentionally put stuff in them to grow. You're not going to grow spiritually on accident. So from our survey results, when asked the question, does your spouse go to church with you, 89% said yes. I say that's pretty good, but 11% said no. Can we change that? What would happen if you would restructure your schedule to make sure that you and your family are in church every Sunday? It's possible to be in church every Sunday. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> 52 times. I've never read a death certificate of somebody and it said died because they went to church too much. What would happen if one of the priorities in your family structure was that we go to church, we read our Bibles, and we pray? As your pastor, I'm trying to lead you that way. Every Monday night in my house is Bible study night. Everybody knows we get home Monday night, we eat supper together, we crack open the Bible, and we go through the Bible, and we talk about it, and then we pray together. Am I right, Virginia? <clears throat> Every Monday night. And any time in between that, I'm checking my kids out. Hey, you've been reading your Bible? You've been praying? They see me doing it. I'm not coming from a place of hypocrisy. They see me doing it all the time, and then I can turn around with confidence and ask the same question. Does that make sense? Who's going to play some keys for me or something? I need some background music real quick so I can wrap this up. So if you feel like the fire's going out, I hope you walk out of here today realizing you can put some more logs on that thing and stir it back up. It may take a little poking and prodding and a little shuffling around. It may not be all pretty and it probably won't just light right back up unless the Holy Ghost puts some gasoline on it. But you need to start celebrating your differences. We need to start honoring one another. We need to overlook offenses easily. And then we need to start pursuing Jesus passionately. Amen? Passionately. Jesus is my passion. Let me tell you something. You got a good fire with Jesus, you're going to have a good fire with your spouse. Come on. You learn how to keep the fire going between you and Jesus, the fire is going to keep going with you and your spouse. So I want you to hear me today. No matter where you find yourself at right now, maybe you're sitting here going, well, we're pretty good. Praise God for that. I would encourage you to keep the logs ready though. For some of you, you're like, Phew, I don't know. Bow your heads with me real quick. Let's position ourselves to hear the Holy Spirit for a moment. like he just told me that some there's some of you in here today that just kind of came to this resolve of I'm not going to leave I'm not
not going to divorce. I'm just going to ride it out. This is just my place in life. I'm going to ride it out. And you've become hopeless. I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me that there's some of you in here today. So I don't want you to respond to that in any way that anybody else can see. But I want you to open your ears real quick because God knows what you're going through and God knows the decisions that you've made. And God knows the very minute that you came to this place where you just lost all hope. You think thoughts like, it'll never change. It'll be this way until we die. I want you to hear me today. I want you to hear the Holy Spirit today. I'm reminded of the story of Elijah. When he was at the altar prophets of Baal and Elijah had him throw all this water on his on his altar so much so that there was a puddle all the way around the wood was wet and Elijah called down fire from heaven and that fire came down so strong that it burned up the entire altar and it even dried up would say to you today listen to me prophetically I can still send fire I can still send that same fire from heaven and I can relight your marriage if you'll trust me again today and you'll open your heart to me and you'll pursue me with all that you have I will light it up that's you today. I want you to receive that. I want you to accept that. I want you to start pursuing Jesus like never before. I hope your hope comes back. And I'm looking for the fire. So God, today, would you light us up? Everything that's become cold and everything that's become dry and doesn't bring comfort to anybody. It's just something we just kind of we just kind of deal with it. God help us with our differences to stop fighting over them and start celebrating them. Teach us how to leverage them. We become a greater vessel when we learn how to leverage our differences. God help us to overlook offenses quickly. Help us to honor one another like never before Jesus. Lord, I pray we pursue Jesus like never before. That he becomes our greatest passion. That creates a passion in us for everything else that needs passion. Help us today. So Lord, we bless you, we love you, and we praise you. We thank you for this holy moment. God, we're believing you to light up some marriages today. That God, logs will be put on. Intentionality will happen. Purpose will happen. And fire will come. And it'll bring comfort to the whole household. We bless you, Lord. Help us to forgive one another. Help us to make allowance for one another. Help us in our weaknesses. Breathe on it.
trust Jesus. I pray today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap for that church?